Welcome to the Auditorium, a portal to the fringes of culture. Hello and uh, welcome to the Auditorium. I am your co-host, uh, Dave Manfield. Now, I'm afraid Dr. Bramwell's not here at the moment. He's uh, just on his way back from a, a week's holiday in 1934. He likes to do that. Um, and I've no idea what the subject matter is today, so he's kindly agreed to let me know via the only medium of communication that actually still works from the past to the present, which is Morse code. So this is going to be interesting. Here we go. Um, OK, here's the first message. Why don't we just quickly translate that? You are made of dust. Hmm. Right. OK. Um, it's coming through again. Never knowingly understood. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, listeners. Um, Dave's uh, obviously taken leave of his senses um, in the interwar period. Let's uh, let's see. Oh, here's another one. To remove label, kindly take off. Well, what is? Uh, this is quite embarrassing. I'm sorry. Uh, maybe we're getting someone else through. Oh, hang on a minute. Here we go. Have you guessed who this week's talk is about yet? Well, no, Dave. No, I haven't. No. Is it, I don't know, is it in Inspector Morse? Oh, hang on. No, not him, you big clot. Another guess. Well, I don't know how he actually heard me saying that uh, in the past, but uh, never mind. Um, OK, I'll, I'll, uh, Samuel Morse, inventor of the, of the Morse code. Nice try. But no, ban ban. Oh, banana! Yes, no trust not to banana, banana. Last guess. He collected. God, he gets a lot done very quickly. With it. he's very good at Morse code. Ivory cutlery. Ah, of course. Ah, it's Ivor Cutler. Ivor Cutler. Yes, it's the. Oh, what's he saying? Yes, it's the Scottish humorist and poet Ivor Cutler. And Morse code and Morse code fan. Of course, I've Ivor once famously used Morse code in, in a song. Oh no, he's carrying on. Oh yeah, yeah, it's coming through. Uh, this week's program features Sandy Grierson, who played Ivor Cutler in the theatre show *The Beautiful Cosmos*. Sandy will be introducing us to Ivor's world and will be performing some of his poems and songs with violinist Nick Pym. It's amazing how much you can get into a short message like that. Oh, oh there's more. After which David says he'll be back from the past to share a few of his own thoughts about the great man with the not-so-great Dave Mounf... How blood... God, he's a cheeky... If, if I could go back to 1934... God, hiding in the safety of the medium-to-distant past. I'm furious about that. I'm going to... I need a biscuit. Mmm. Hmm. Oh, what? What? Another message. Stop eating biscuits, you fat bastard. <sighs> um, does everyone know who Ivor Cutler is? Or does anyone not know who Ivor Cutler is? Yes, okay, yeah. I've taken, to, since working on this show, we started working on this show in uh, 2013. And, and since then, I've sort of started dividing the world into three, three types of people. There's people that have heard of Ivor Cutler, there's people who haven't heard of Ivor Cutler, and there's people who have come across Ivor Cutler but don't remember that they have. 
And, and so I just want, I'll go through it, and it might be that you, you recognise something about him. You might have come across him on TV. Uh, he was in uh, the Cliff Micklemore Tonight. He was in uh, Late Night Live. He was in the Acker Bilk Show. He was on the Old Grey Whistle Test. He was, uh, he's also in some documentaries. One documentary with uh, a, a young Hugh Laurie. And there's another documentary with Dave Allen where they're d discussing English, controversially, English eccentrics. Uh, <clears throat> you could have come across him in film. He was in, uh, most famously, perhaps, The Magical Mystery Tour, his uh, Buster Blood Vessel. Uh, you could have, you probably, most people have come across him on radio, so in one of his 22 sessions with John Peel. Uh, he was on Radio 3 Dramas. Uh, oh, well, uh, before, originally, at the very start, he was on uh, Monday Night at Home, where a lot of his stories, the likes of Grutz or Egg Meat, were read out. Uh, there was uh, Radio 3. He did a fantastic series of dramas, which he called operas, called, uh, and you have to say it in a French accent, apparently, Prince Ivor, because it was meant to sound like Prince Igor, which is apparently an opera. Um, uh, which he did with Piers Plowright. He also did a lot of stuff with Neil Cargill. Uh, a lot of this is being replayed now in, on Radio 6. Uh, he, he was, I think, the first man ever to be played on BBC's 1, 2, 3, 4 and 6. Books, you would have probably come across his books in a, in a fop when there was lots of fops everywhere. They had the little, tiny little poetry books and quite often they sold them at the counter. Um, I often came across them in people's toilets. Uh, he, he did children's books, Herbert, with changing to different animals. Um, I vaguely remember seeing that in a library. Uh, what else? You might have seen him in, in the flesh. You might have seen him... Uh, he, did, he worked with... Um, on, on tour, he supported Van Morrison. He uh, did his own live gigs, of course. He also did um, a lot of the Meltdown festivals supported Elvis Costello, uh, he did lots. He did lots and lots and lots. Uh, he might have come up to you and asked you if you wrote poetry, or he might have stuck a little label on you, which might have said, no, or funny smell, or to remove this label, take it off. You might have seen him at demos, a lot of demos. He was, uh, did marches for CND along with Bertrand Russell. He, uh, he was at the um, Aldermaston Women's uh, Peace Camp, where, of course, he, 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 that was where he inspired him to sing Women of the World Take Over, in brackets, except for you know who. Uh, he was... Uh, uh, Anti-apartheid, pro-minor, pro-euthanasia, uh, of course, Noise Abatement Society. You might have seen him at Camden Tube uh, campaigning for the Noise Abatement Society. He notoriously hated loud noises and amplified sound, uh, and he would stuff his ears with uh, toilet paper if he didn't have earplugs. Uh, he hated, he hated um, strong smells as well, so if he didn't like your perfume... Uh, in fact, there was one story I was talking about. <laughs> He, he was met by somebody and, and was taken in a car and objected so strongly both to the noise and to her perfume that he, he, he leant out of the car window with both toilet roll stuck up his nose and in his ears. Well, next to doing that, this was a poem I was going to read out, but I threw them all on the floor. I'll do it, but 
I'll do it without the voice, just because I, there's, a, there's this big debate whether Ivor Cutler's poetry will last without his voice or whether it, whether it needs his voice to go with it, which I think is a completely bizarre you know, idea that somehow you should divide those two things anyway. But nevertheless, on the, on the back of your botanist remark, an alien, a sturd, in brackets, a sturdy old Jewish marine biologist. He has been an alien all his life but by refining an insatiable curiosity about small organisms in their environment and earning a little respect for his pains, in passing by listening to Hayden's quartets, Thelonious Monk, Bulgarian folk music, by looking at clay, Mirandi and Dutch interiors, by dressing aptly and eating modestly, and by cultivating with natural humanity a few friends, he gets by. Nobody knows who I am, I think Nobody knows what I am, I think I got my tongue, it's cliches, cliches all the time Nobody knows One day I looked at a flower, I saw it blink One day I looked at a flower, I saw it wink Then I knew I'd done wrong, listen to my song Ladies are lovely Gentlemen, gentlemen, nobody knows where I am. I think. Nobody knows when I am, I think I got my mind, it's emptiness, emptiness all the time Nobody My mother, I saw her blink. One day I looked at my mother, I saw her wink. Then I knew I'd done wrong. Listen to my song. Ladies are lovely, and so are gentlemen. Gentlemen. 
Every night at half past two, a fairy dressed in black and blue alights upon my cosy bed and snuggles by my baldy head. She lifts her wand and scratches me from there to here. Oh, lovely. Oh, lovely. Oh, lovely. Oh, lovely. Lucky, lucky me. Where is there and where is here? I'll tell you, there is my left ear and here's the right. So now you know the fairy scratches to and fro. I love the way she scratches me from there to here. Oh, lovely, oh, lovely, oh, lovely, oh, lovely. Lucky, lucky me. Lucky, lucky me. Every time I spoke to anybody about Ivor Cutler, whether they knew him, whether they were whether they were his lover or a friend or someone that just saw him at a gig, everyone had their Ivor Cutler impersonation. And it's only like heed the ball actor here that's worried about truth and you know, is it a truthful impersonation? And as soon as I started thinking, actually, forget about that, and just really having listened to him for a year, just enjoy that you've got your own impersonation and enjoy enjoy that you're you're playing at playing Ivor Cutler. And then I thought, well, that's kind of what he did anyway. <laughs> and that's what, that's what the joy of seeing Ivor Cutler. And I never saw him in the flesh. I'm sure many of you have, and uh, I envy that massively. Um, but whenever I've seen the footage of him playing on stage, and that sort of completely stony expression with that uh, school teacher stare, you know that that's what he's doing. And actually it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what's underneath or this, the psychology or the, um, all, all of that sort of isn't what we want. What we want from Ivor Cutler is, is that space between the reality that it is and the reality that he made it be whenever he was in the room. Uh, that place that's, neither, that's sort of half Scotch sitting room and half one to one Laurier Road uh, that, that he carried with him wherever he went in London or wherever he went on on tour, and 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 that it's like a or the space between the harmonium and him and his voice, the silence that Jim found that had all these other sounds in it, the the calypso beat or the uh, the klezmer, the jazz, the folk, and and that's the same with. The effect he had, and, I, and, this, and this comes back to what you were talking about earlier, uh, Mal, that it, without, without the Guardians, without the likes of John Peel playing his stuff on the radio, in between all the other stuff, so that you could be listening to the Beatles and then Ivor Cutler, or you could be then punk comes along, John Peel plays punk, then he plays Ivor Cutler. And, and all these different generations of people that, that grew up listening to this man, uh, and listening to a variety because of the likes of John Peel, and now we're all listening to these little, you know, Spotify, if you like this, you like this, and if you like that, you like that. And you start, suddenly you're getting honed down these sort of very narrow little paths, and you're not getting that breadth. Well, David was talking to David, we told off for not having, for being too broad in his class. The broad knowledge rather than the deep knowledge. And to me, the breadth is very, very important. And, it, and I guess that was also became important to us that we, we, should, um, we should embrace 
the, the role that we had to try and, uh, to get an, a, another generation of people listening to Ivor Cutler. The last thing I'll say is, the, th the other thing that really uh, liberated me with Ivor was, um, was that a, a little sticky label that he had, which says, um, and particularly with his accent, which I'm holding off from doing until I have to, <laughs> which says, um, uh, perfection is an aim, imperfection is the end, and that's it. Life in a Scotch Sitting Room, Volume 2, Episode 3. Mother and father stole a long look, one at another, and back again. Father had sparse camel's lashes, but black against pearl-white cheeks. Mothers were completely nondescript by both our standards, yours and mine. We hushed and shushed the stone chat lay under a leaf. Weary old clouds crouched over trees and bushes. Air pushed irresistibly at our faces pressed well-formed daffodil-like ears to our growing skulls. Then father stooped and fetched up the black book. <gasps> the black book! And we ran crouching and cowering to the far corner, breathing fast. The book! was a foot and a half square with a brass hasp, hinges and corner buffers, anointed with exquisite verdigris, intimately embedded under the heads of rivets and flush screws and along the chasing. The binding was black moire. Father snapped the hasp, laid the book on the floor at the corner and he and mother knelt there running their hands over an intensely black thick page eyes shut tight to assist concentration the room went so quiet you could hear a weasel choking a sparrow on the pavement Mother muttered to father whenever she was ready for the next page. There are eyes at the ends of their fingers, I whispered. Pass it on. Father swiveled and peered at me with shiny eyes. Stand on the table, he admonished. It was a vile and shameful punishment. I clambered onto the table and stood proudly, my head beetroot while the family walked around looking up my kilt and passing remarks. <laughs> One of the little girls made a simple sketch. 
Grandpa asked Grandma, did he eat his porridge this morning? Everybody giggled, though the other children admitted to not understanding what it meant later. It had just seemed funny at the time. Finally, I was let down and joined the others at the window to watch the sleet fall. Sandy Grison there with Nick Pinn, musician, and uh, some really lovely interpretations of Ivor's Ivor's words yes. and his and his songs. And uh, probably listeners, uh, obviously, uh, very glad that I'm I've returned from from 1934. I, I'm sure they're delighted. Do you know I? what, Dave? Yeah. I recommend, yeah, massively recommend going on holiday in 1934. Bloody cheap. I've cheap as chips. <laughs> cheap as bloody chips. Anyway, Ivor Cutler absolutely worship the man. I, th- I, th- I think he was he was a, a, a genius. A, a- I was scared of him as a child. It was a very my, my dad's an economic geographer and and he was a fan, a huge fan. And, and it was really surprising. His record collection was not likely to find Ivor. And then he, every now and again he'd play Dandruff or the Velvet Donkey, and I found myself as a sort of four or five year old. Laughing, and at the same time, there's slightly there's, scared. There's something terrifying about his his work. There's a real melancholy and sense of Scottishness, which is a sort of they're bittersweet, aren't they? They are bittersweet. <laughs> Sweet, yeah. One of the things that I loved about Ivor was that, like Gilbert and George, he sort of kept this persona throughout his life, and you were never sure how much of it was a creation and how much of it was just genuinely the man. Back in the mid-90s, when I first moved to Brighton, I fancied myself as a bit of a poet. You surprised me, Dave. Well, I'd moved to Brighton. What else? What else? You're not going to get a proper job, are you? No. And and I was greatly inspired by Ivor. And I think I first heard Ivor when I was about 17, 18, and just you know wanted to uh, wanted to write that kind of poetry. And I had a, bit, a little bit of success with having my poems read out on Radio One by Mark Radcliffe, and when he used to do an evening slot really? with with Ian Macmillan, who now runs a, a poetry. Uh, program on on Radio Four. He's all over Radio Four. He is, he is, he is. And uh, and I remember Ian Macmillan going, "He's got a right nice turn of phrase out David Bramwell." And I thought, "That's it, I've made it, I've made it, I've got my <laughs> poems ready out." That's going to pay for my mortgage. Yes. <laughs> and and uh, I thought, well, I just just to um, solidify my new role, I'll send these poems to Ivor Cutler. He's bound to also share the same passion as Mark Ratcliffe and Ian Macmillan. So I wrote to Ivor Cutler, "Dear Ivor," enclosed in this envelope are some poems I've written. He wrote back and said, uh, uh, "Please." address me as Mr Cutler in future and <laughs> so I had to write back uh, dear Mr Cutler please find enclosed right. and he wrote he sent a postcard to me and he strongly suggested that I abandon all hope of being a poet uh, <laughs> and he said if you genuinely wanted to understand how poetry works I strongly recommend you buy a copy of my recent book A Stuggy Pren but he said really um, why don't you go and do something useful with your life instead like mm. become a music teacher or a botanist and I actually I actually Took you, his advice and, and, and I became, became a music I became teacher, a music teacher yeah. part-time music teacher for Ivor. Ivor was as, as well. You made the primal mistake of asking someone who doesn't need the field overcrowded whether you should crowd the field. Do you think that's what he was? Do you think oh, he was intimidated by my poems? Of course, that's it. Oh, he that took one reading when I don't need this joker around yeah, sticking yeah, yeah. the place up. There's the lovely story that Andy Kershaw, the Radio 1 DJ, tells where in the 1970s he's working 
as a, an events organiser at Leeds University and he wonders whether or not Ivor Cutler does live events because he said he'd, he'd never seen his name anywhere on any posters. So he calls up uh, the BBC who give him Ivor's home telephone number and he phones up and, and he, he says who he is and he'd like Ivor to come to Leeds to do a, a gig. And Ivor says, um, you know, how much are you offering? And, and Andy Kershaw says, uh, what, £400? And he said, there's a pause and Ivor goes... Offer me less. And he, goes, he says, "Sorry, just offer me less." So he says, "He offers us three hundred pounds." He goes, "Done." And so, so Ivor Ivor comes That's up. Brilliant. It is wonderful. So Ivor comes up to Leeds University. Yeah. He's staying with Andy Kershaw, and and Andy said, "I was really embarrassed because I'm living in student digs, you know." And it's like you know, one of our heroes has come up, and uh, and you know, we're giving him. Given him dinner before the before the show, and and he said he said we're sitting by I'm sitting by the window with Ivor Cutler, eating you know beans on toast, and we look out the window and this this chap sort of runs up to the wall opposite the house, and starts to spray paint graffiti onto the wall, and he said Ivor, deadpan face, just turns to to Andy Kershaw, and he goes, has he not discovered masturbation yet? <laughs> well, you very no. Well, I think that's sort of him. That's the point. We, it was maybe not a character. That's actually how he was. I get that feeling. Well, one of the stories that I, that I heard that uh, that is really lovely about him is the people that knew him intimately, like like Phyllis, his partner and, and close friends. They said the thing about Ivor that the public never see or hear is that Ivor has got the dirtiest laugh you have ever heard, and he right. never. Well, he very rarely on live recordings do you do you hear his right. own his own right. sort of laughter come through. But right. they, you know, apparently he had a real almost sort of Sid James you know, <laughs> <laughs> laugh about him. Well, on that note, it's time we wrap this baby up. It probably it? is, and and I think to pay tribute to to Ivers. I mean, one of the things that uh, that he was not only a great eccentric, but but very passionate about certain causes. He was very passionate about... He was, he was, a, he was a member of the Noise Abatement Society. He couldn't bear music, couldn't bear loud noise, asked audiences to clap at half volume, didn't like whistling and, and cheering. He would he would ask for, for, for children to be removed from the audience, and audiences would laugh. And Which then for they, a teacher. Yeah, yeah, he also yeah, yeah. hated the word happy, you said. He, 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 he had a real disdain for the word happy. If everyone said, are you happy? He would, yeah, he would not acknowledge it and of course famously he, he did a he wrote a song uh, the, the words of which are I'm happy I'm happy and I'll punch the man who says I'm not yeah. uh, so there's, 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 there's a, there is a there is a subtle violence as well in his uh, in, in some oh, of his definitely. songs so he so to, to, to wrap up um, and I sp- well I mean we could we could talk all day He's, he is he is a cultural god in many ways but it's time to it's time to wrap it up Dave it is it is and to to wrap it up in tribute to Ivor, we both know that Ivor was a great lover of, of awkward awkward silences, pregnant pauses and ending songs and some of his poems, sometimes just halfway through what he was saying. I, I see what he did there, yeah. Oh, I see what he did there, that's good, yeah. Dave. Uh, sorry. We're going to invite Lance and Andrew into the studio f- for an, an awkward pause. Yes. If, if, if they're ready. A tribute to A tribute, pause. tribute to, to pauses. Here they are, Lance and Andrew. Welcome. Welcome, chaps. Good to see you. That's Thank you. it. That's <coughs> <laughs> bloody phone, is that? That's my phone, isn't it? 
Hello? What? <laughs> oh, no, I'm just, I'm in the studio at the minute. I'm doing a, a podcast about Ivor Cutler. Oh, is it right? Did, did did you get my message? On the, on the house phone, yes. And you got my t- you didn't get my text though. No. Oh right, I, was, I don't know. Obviously, that's not working. Anyway, look, it's not it's not a good time, um, unless you got I don't know. Do, do you know Ivor Cutler? No, you don't. Do you? Um, okay, all right. I'll speak to you later. Right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> that, wasn't, that, wasn't, that was that was that was my mum. Okay. That was my mum. She, she could be part of the show though. She, she is now. The Auditorium is presented by Dr. David Bramwell and Mr. David Mountfield. The producers are Lance Dan and Andrew Mailing. You can discover more about the show at oddpodcast.com, where you can find out about upcoming events and festival shows. If you'd like to give a talk about something that you're passionate about, then email us at contact at oddpodcast.com and you can follow us on Twitter at oddpodcastuk Talks from the Auditorium are featured in Earnest Journal a magazine for the curious and adventurous If you like the Auditorium then please leave a review for us on iTunes <laughs>